Welcome to Infoblox Threat Talk, where you'll find the latest thinking on how to tap the full potential of the cloud while making your network more reliable, secure, and automated. Hello, and welcome to this episode. In this episode, we'll be talking about using DNS, or domain name service, as foundational security architecture. My name is Kripa Srivatsan, Director of Product Marketing for Security at Infoblox, and I have with me Craig Sanderson, VP of Security Product Management at Infoblox. Before we get started, I think I'd like to talk a little bit about digital transformations that are impacting our customers and organizations today. Things like SD-WAN, IoT, hybrid cloud, all of these transformations are, are causing an impact and a significant challenge for organizations who are trying to figure out how to keep their data secure and their applications secure, yet being able to, in, in the wake of rolling out these type of deployments like SD-WAN and IoT. For SD-WAN, I think we, we all know that these are like branch offices that are directly connecting to the internet and they're not backhauling all the traffic to the data center or HQ. So how do you secure those environments who, where those branch offices are not exposed to the big bad world of the internet, right? IoT, these are non-standard devices running non-standard protocols. How do you secure that? So Craig, what are your thoughts on, on you know, some of these transformations? Yeah, I think one of the things that we've seen is that, I mean, customers have been struggling today with being able to manage their environment just with the current set of data and applications and users. I think with digital transformation, it's going to make the situation a lot harder. And quite often, their architectures aren't really built to the level of scale that IoT is going to drive, to the level of flexibility that SD-WAN and, and public and private cloud are driving towards. So I think for a lot of organizations, that they're, they're in a, a difficult situation and that they've already invested a lot of in terms of new technology and security tools and platforms. However, stitching them together into a unified architecture that's going to have some of the key attributes they're going to need to be able to support in this new world is going to be a bit of a challenge. So, I mean, for you, Krupp, I mean, like, what do you hear from your customers when you're talking to them about this? Yeah, I think the, uh, the number one thing that most teams are faced with, the number one challenge that most teams are faced with is just getting visibility, right? right. So just knowing what's connecting to their network, yeah. knowing where these workloads are running, is it on-prem, is it in the cloud, uh, where are these devices that are making all these requests to bad destinations, right? right. Just getting that visibility seems to be the biggest challenge. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I basically see the same thing. I mean, it's not just about visibility of the threats necessarily, but just understanding what the assets are and where they are. I mean, that's going to be increasingly more difficult with IoT and with devices being deployed in places that aren't necessarily on the traditional corporate network. You still find a lot of the security operations teams, when they, they get an incident or an event, just being able to classify what the device is, who the user is, where they are, that essential network context is, is pretty difficult. So quite often we get asked because we tend to own, own the, uh, the DNS and DHCP platform, we're sitting on a lot of the network context that's going to allow organizations to kind of really evaluate the security events that they're dealing with. And even though it sounds very basic and simple, a lot of organizations struggle even to get to that first base. Right, right. And you mentioned DNS, DHCP, I found, right? So great great segue to the to the our more main message of this uh, this podcast is DNS DHCP IPAM is that foundational architecture that all organizations need for connectivity. Right. right? They cannot do anything, they cannot run their business without DNS DHCP IPAM. That provides connectivity for cloud resources, for on-prem devices, for IoT devices, every, everything and anything needs DNS for connectivity. So why are we saying that DNS is important for security, right? 
And I think there are several things that, uh, that it provides. Craig, did you want to? Yeah, I mean, like when it comes to the visibility side of things, is quite often the, the political divide between network and security operations is sometimes that can be a chasm. And the security teams who are trying to do correlation, for example, of security events, just trying to understand that the two security events you've got are actually tied to the same device. Well, in the good old days where everything was like statically like provisioned and everything was in the same place, well, that was relatively straightforward, but that's now changed. I mean, I'm here in one part of the building. If my laptop decides to do something bad, I get a security event from a security tool gets sent to the SIM. I then pick up my laptop, I go to the other end of the building, try and do something else that's bad, and you're going to get two security events with two different IP addresses. And how is the security team supposed to know that it's actually tied to the same device? So the critical piece of information, that critical network context that would allow you to bring these two things together really is the DHCP lease information. But the challenge is who owns the DNS and DHCP platform? Well, that tends to be the network guy. The security guys, they struggle to even get access to that data. And so making sure that a organization can share that data out in a way that the security teams as well as the network teams can get access to that data is critical for the, the visibility of the device and just the context of knowing what that device is, because that will in itself will drive the response. If you know this is a, a device that's in a guest VLAN and it's not a corporate asset, well, not necessarily a priority for your organization. An asset that's in your AWS cloud that's running a mission-critical application, completely different story. So the network context is so critical, and it really starts with that visibility that is inherent in the data that is sitting in a platform that almost every organization is going to have. I mean, every application you have today is going to use DNS as a way to resolve services. No one, or very rarely, do you get devices that are statically addressed. So all of that critical network context, that visibility, you know, having that shared out to the security team is absolutely critical. And, and going, as you said, people are trying to do more with less. How can you do more with less with limited security operations staff if they spend most of their time chasing their tail, trying to work out who owns this device, what this device is. I mean, even just that basic level of visibility. Right, right. Great points. And I think uh, let's let's talk a little bit about DNS as a as a control point. So we talked about all applications, all devices using mm -hmm. DNS for connectivity, but malware also uses DNS mm -hmm. to do lookups to its command and control site to exfiltrate data. Mm -hmm. And none of the traditional tools are looking at that type of uh, protocol or the right. analysis on DNS traffic that's going out. So because DNS is this ubiquitous control point, and it's everywhere in the network, right, to serve the client. Right. So it can become that first line of defense against any malicious activity. So you can detect malicious activity much sooner mm -hmm. than a perimeter uh, firewall, for example, right. or right. a perimeter proxy, for example, right? Because it is deeply entrenched in networks, it's a first point of connection for good devices as well as malicious communication. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why the bad guys or why the adversaries use DNS as a control plane for compromised devices, because if you're a bad guy, you know, you, you can really count on two things. Number one, port 53, the port that DNS uses, is always going to be open. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to resolve addresses on the internet. So you know that that back door is always going to be open. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, you know that the only people who are looking at the DNS logs are the network team. So if the security team are, like, are blind to that, the bad guys realize it's the perfect back door they can use to control those machines. And as you said, if you think about it, 
the ubiquity of DNS, wherever you go, you're going to use DNS. In the corporate network, you use DNS. Your AWS workload or your Azure workload, if it makes any outbound connection, it's going to resolve the address using DNS. Even your roaming users out there at a Starbucks coffee shop, you know, doesn't matter where they are, they're still going to use DNS. And so the ubiquity of DNS, because it's a fundamental cornerstone of IP networking, makes it a great visibility and control point. And just think about it. Like the DNS is going to be one of the first devices on your network that will know if a machine is trying to do something bad or if a user is trying to do something bad. Despite telling all your users, don't click on these suspicious phishing links, which still continues to be the, ma the main attack vector for, for malware. Well, the user clicks on the phishing link. What's the first thing that happens? It's going to be a DNS request. Your DNS is going to know, even before your next-gen firewall or your IPS or whatever other tool you're using, it's going to know before all of those different platforms. And again, it's an infrastructure that you don't have to go off and deploy separately. It's already going to be there anyway. It's just a case of repurposing it for uh, for security reasons and not just for, for networking. Right, right. And we've also seen cases where data gets exfiltrated via DNS right. because you know organizations may have DLP solutions right. and other data protection <laughs> capabilities. But uh, to avoid all those tools that are there, uh, we've seen cases where um, attackers use DNS as a backdoor to right. the data. So when you have a solution that's looking at DNS queries on an ongoing basis and checking for presence of data in those queries, checking for things where it looks like it may be carrying information, somebody's mm -hmm. social security card or somebody's uh, healthcare information, health record. So when you do that in real time, and you block that type of communication, you're actually now securing the DNS loophole as well. Right. It's, again, it's one of those backdoors that people don't really think about. I mean, we've got recent versions of, of malware. I mean, it's going back from multigrain, UDPOS. This month, there was DNS bot, which was uh, put out by Fin7, the threat actor group. They're good examples of where the adversaries are realizing this is a blind spot for, for most organizations. And it's not just because the security team aren't just looking for DNS logs, although that tends to be the most common case. On top of that, it is very difficult. How do you determine out of the millions, of, not quite of the billions of DNS requests that happen on your corporate network every day, how do you know which ones are actually malicious? And what makes it even worse is that the, the good guys or the application writers themselves are making the problem worse. So a whole breed of of applications are out there that abuse DNS and tunnel over it. They don't want to deal with next generation firewall rules. So what do they do? They tunnel over DNS. So everything from Spotify to Bank of America's banking app, most of your antivirus, all those legitimate applications also abuse DNS by tunneling over it. So given that situation, you've got to distinguish between legitimate requests, the malicious ones that are truly exfiltrating data, and making sure at the same time you don't block these other applications that just so happen to be abusing DNS. And we see that this has continued to become a, a, a significant problem. And in a lot of the deployments that we, where we apply our analytics, we found in most organizations, there's a whole raft of applications that are tunneling or abusing DNS. And the security team have absolutely no visibility of it. And so the adversaries know that too. And you can only imagine they're going to continue to exploit DNS as a, as a backdoor for not just command and control, but also exfiltration as well. Right, and, and and you mentioned a key term, analytics. So, you know, threat intelligence and threat mm -hmm. intelligence data is important mm -hmm. and it's crucial for detecting known threats. 
right. things where you know that the destination has already been flagged as a malicious destination. So right. they'll show up mm -hmm. in all the threat feeds. Yeah. You can block it. It's easy. Mm -hmm. But it's the zero-day threat. It's when you don't know that the destination is malicious or not. Right. It's not been flagged, right? And data exfiltration can happen to those destinations. In that situation, then things like DGA, fast flux, mm -hmm. uh, fileless malware, those things are harder to detect using threat feeds alone. Right. So you need to augment that with um, an analytics, machine learning-based analytics that is yeah. looking at the queries to detect those. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that makes it particularly tricky is you can see a DNS packet that looks really odd or strange, which is completely legitimate. And so relying on purely threat intel, I mean, threat intel is good. It will tell you about, obviously, the, the known bad. But we had like, one of our customers, they wrote their own data exfiltration tool in less than two hours and registered a, a brand new domain and were able to exfiltrate data out of their network. It bypassed all their next-gen firewalls, their IPS, all their other security controls because those platforms are not designed to focus on DNS, and they really struggle to distinguish between legit requests and these malicious ones. And if you think about it, as you mentioned, the social security number, what's that, like nine digits? That easily fits into a DNS packet, and you know, one packet. And if you think about it even worse than that, the actual DNS servers themselves, the way exfiltration generally happens is, I take the data I've stolen as the adversary, and all I do is I tell my client that's been compromised to then make a request to a brand new domain I've created. And what does your DNS server do? Well, it says, well, I don't know what badguy.com is. It's a brand new domain. So what does your DNS service do? Well, it just forwards it out through the DNS infrastructure. So the bad guys essentially use customers' DNS uh, architectures or DNS platforms as their own personal mail service. And it will send that out. And what does your firewall do to outbound DNS requests? Port 53, allow. So you really need to have a true understanding of what is happening within DNS and making sure that you can supplement the threat intel that picks up the known bad. But given how trivial it is to create a data exfiltration tool, it makes sense to be able to actually combine it with a bit of analytics. But it has to be machine learning because how do you detect out of the millions or billions of queries you're getting which ones are actually exfiltration? And that's where the real trick is. It took us a couple of years to build out algorithms that could allow us to do that with a level of confidence because there's always the danger that you could end up blocking legitimate applications. So sometimes the, the false positives could be even more dangerous than the threat itself. So having analytics is absolutely critical, but it's on an area where it's a part of security that most organizations are never really focused on, most vendors are not really focused on either. That's true, exactly. Finally, let's talk about ROI of DNS security. Right. So, you know, organizations are spending millions of dollars every year in yet another security tool in their networks. And increasingly, you know, they're being asked by their CFOs, you spent two million, three million, five million last year. Right. And we still got breached. Or show me how you protected my network with all the investment we made last year. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So DNS, few people know that DNS, in terms of being a cost-effective security solution, is actually right at the top where, you know, mm -hmm. you can consume a lot more threat intel feeds. Yeah. It's actually a cheaper solution, right, uh, putting DNS-based security. And it can actually also offload a lot of the traffic from the more expensive solutions like Nixon firewalls or web proxies, right? right. So I think somewhere I heard numbers where we can even reduce three times some, uh, uh, or reduce the traffic by a third 
to yeah. these to these perimeter tools. And I also heard that we can put in, I don't know, like 20, 30 million threat indicators yeah. um, into a, a DNS appliance versus a next-gen firewall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the funny thing is, I mean, with DNS, you're going to have to have that platform there anyway. And because of that divide between network and security, the security teams don't really think about how DNS could be used as part of their security architecture. And you're not even breaking the architecture, as I said before. You know, when a user clicks on a phishing link, it's going to hit the DNS server anyway. If you know it's bad by applying threat intel to the DNS server, you can automatically block it, and then you're not sending traffic to your expensive next-gen firewall. And even if you do, because DNS is a natural control point, if you decide that, okay, you know this is bad and you want to do deeper packet inspection, well, you can still use DNS to tell the client, well, the way to get to this bad domain is via that next generation firewall or web proxy. So it fits perfectly into existing security architectures. There's boxes that are already there that you've already got deployed. And as you said, you can start to allow things to scale up. One of the great things about DNS is it has to scale. I mean, the internet doesn't work if DNS doesn't scale. And the nice thing about it, it doesn't just scale in terms of being able to transfer information around, but also in terms of the, the sheer volume of threat intelligence. I mean, our threat intel feed is in the millions. Most next generation firewalls, as you said, like, can do a, probably a maximum of 250,000. So math isn't my strong point, but eight into 250,000 certainly doesn't go. But you take a mid-range DNS server, they can handily support like 20, 30, 40 million, depending on the platform. And Again, it's a platform you've already got. I, I talked to the CISO of a, of a major league baseball team, and he joked with me. He said, my problem is my CFO won't let me buy anything else unless I prove I can use it or unless it's a box that's already in the network. And my response to him is, well, do you have a DNS server? Obviously, the answer is yes. And so he was kind of knocked over by just the fact that you have this capability without necessarily having to go and buy a bunch of new boxes. And what makes it even nicer than that is quite often, with these DNS platforms, especially the stuff that we've been trying to do here at Infoblox, is when we do see a security event, we can share that information with those other tools and platforms. So we don't have to be another silo. So there's examples where if I see a client trying to go to a malicious domain based on threat intel or based on the analytics of, about data exfiltration, I can just go and tell the vulnerability scanner that, okay, this device is acting like oddly or doing something like bad or what we think is bad go and scan it. We can go and tell a NAC system to quarantine the device. I can tell an endpoint security tool to go and locate the process on the machine and quarantine or kill it. So the great thing about it is not, I, I think people would fall into the, the, the fallacy of thinking, well, it's a networking box and that's what the network guys own. There's actually ways based on the ecosystem integrations that allow you to bridge that gap and automate a lot of your security. And that's something which organizations are crying out for as they built up these architectures over time which has grown organically and let's face it in the security industry we do a lousy job of, of standards well in the dns world like it's all about standards otherwise the internet doesn't work so you've got this capability that allows you to not only scale up your organization in, in terms of uh, security capabilities but again you're not losing the visibility on the other tools because we can dynamically share it from a dns platform to those other tools and that's why increasingly i'm seeing customers as they as they move to this digital transformation, they need an architecture that is, gives them the visibility, gives them the automation, gets that visibility and control point, allows it to scale. And of course, they can't go and buy a brand new security architecture. Well, they've already got the platforms in place already with DNS. So I think going forward, increasingly, you see other vendors in the market are 
are really starting to glob onto like the value of DNS as a foundation to their next generation security architectures where it will underpin what a lot of the other security tools and platforms will then build upon. Yeah, great. I think you just did a nice conclusion of our episode. <laughs> so um, thank you, Craig, for, for your insights. And uh, with that, I think we conclude this episode. Stay tuned for, for the next episode in our CyberTalk podcast series. Thank you. You've been listening to InfoBlox Threat Talk. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about maintaining a secure, always-on network that enables digital transformation, visit www.infoblocks.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.